Hello, everybody. Okay, so it's a little different today. Um, I'm the host today, and uh, DJ is going to be in our chair, which is normally our chair, but he's still he's OCD. He can't get rid of that. Yeah, I can't move spot. from my spot. So, which is good. That's fine. I totally, I totally get it because it's ownership. It's your baby. Yeah. Right. And, and so, but um, we had talked about this for a while about how. Um, People need to get to know you. Yeah. Because every time we, we, we listen to you, you're always talking about other people. Yeah. And a lot of people ask, you know, uh, well, you know, why'd you start doing that? How'd you get into that? Why'd you do that? But wait, but you're also a cook and <laughs> also uh, a work. You build web pages. Um, you strip on the side. I mean, it's yeah, very, yeah. you know. <laughs> my, wife said so, my wife said something the other day. She was like, people on the outside looking in will think you're just some kind of two-bit hustler. And I was like, yeah, I know. It, it doesn't look good if you don't know me. It probably looks like I'm just trying to make money doing everything. Yeah. And, I mean, and the ultimate, you, you flip cars. So you basically. Yeah, I do you, that you, too, you, yeah. You've got the royal flush of a hustler. Yeah. Um, but uh, thank you, first of all. I'm very excited about this. I know it's, uh, and I consider it an honor. Well, thank you, man. I I appreciate it. I don't take it lightly. And and I was telling my wife about it. And this morning before I left, she goes, okay, now you make sure you let him talk. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so just to get us started, because I, and it's, this is for the the interesting part, because I know so much about you. I don't necessarily know what to ask, but I do know what I think are, I would say your, uh, best qualities or most interesting things about you. But I want you to take me back to when you were a kid, because you told me a lot about your up, your upbringing and yeah. some of the things that you had to go through. But start um, with your childhood and kind of tell us how you became you. Yeah, it's interesting because I still am trying to figure that out, but I'll tell you this. So uh, I grew up, um, we grew up, uh, my mom and dad divorced when I was like one. So, um, it was just me and my mom, and she had my brother a year later. Um, and then it was just us. Um, his dad at that time wasn't really involved, so it was just us and my mom, right. me and my closest brother. Um, and we were that way until I was 10 years old. And so we grew up with a pretty – I mean, we were taken care of, but we didn't have any extra money. We lived in a trailer. Bad, uh, shout out to Pine Creek, Mobile Home Park. Dak Prescott lived in there too with us. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, in Halton, Louisiana, yeah. So we grew up there, and that, uh, that most of my younger life, I remember that trailer park. And then we, my mom was so proud because she had, like, a 1970-something model trailer that she paid for. Uh-huh. And we moved it in there, and then we ended up moving it out of there to some other land. Um, and then we ended up moving on, you know. But anyways, my mom married my stepdad when I believe I was, like, 10 or met him around that time. And then, you know, we slowly started getting to where we can actually start doing stuff. And she started having more children and then, you know, but by that time I was, you know, halfway grown. So I would help, um, by the time I was 11 and 12, I was changing diapers. You know, I have five other siblings that live with me that are all younger. So I was helping, helping babysit them, raise them. And I was super independent time of 13, uh, 12 or 13 years old. So I'll tell you this, I was, I was overweight in middle school. And I started getting picked on, so I got my first fight when I was like sixth grade because someone was picking on me. I was a band nerd. I was in yeah. band, and I was overweight, and I had acne, so I was asking for What instrument did you play? Sax, alto okay. saxophone, okay. yeah. I was horrible at it, too, by the way. <laughs> um, I never really put – I mean, I was, I was into it for like a year or two, and then eighth grade, I was like, this is not cool anymore, right? So, um, yeah, of course I got picked on because, I mean, I was asking for it, right? right. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, all that being said, like, so – we go through, I go through middle school and like this eighth, my eighth grade year, I'm uh, you start getting into girls, you know, not really want to be in band anymore. So over that summer between eighth and ninth grade, I decided I'm going to do something about me being chubby. I really wasn't obese or anything. I was just chubby. I was probably five foot seven and weigh like 160 pounds, yeah. you know, maybe five foot six. And over that summer, I decided I'm going to work at my family's, um, my grandpa at the time had a sawmill. Mm-hmm. And that was the family business on my mom's my mom's dad's side. They grew up. His parents had the sawmill. Then he and his brother took it over. It was hard work. So at thirteen years old, I went. I wanted. I didn't. We didn't have much money, so I wanted to go make my own money. Mm-hmm. Thirteen, I went to work there full time during the summer. Right. And any time it was Thanksgiving, Christmas, holidays, spring break, I went to work to make money. And I was working out there with grown ass men. You know, I was stacking lumber and stacking crawl, railroad cross ties. Um, and I did that. Um, over that course of that summer, this is always really monumental to me when I tell people stuff like this because 
something was instilled in me with that momentum that I wanted to start doing better for myself, like taking care of my body. So I started, I didn't really know how to eat healthy, but I knew that I shouldn't be eating chips and cookies and shit. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I would take like my little playmate lunch tote with me and I'd have me a chocolate milk in the morning. Cause I thought that's protein, you know, and that's like my breakfast. Mm -hmm. And then I had like, I'd put like two, I didn't do ham. I did Turkey cause I knew it was lower fat and leaner. So I put two <laughs> Turkey sandwiches in my lunch pail and I'd take one Gatorade. And that's all I would like myself to have all day long. And then I would have water. So I was like, I'm not going to drink soft drinks anymore. Then I started slowly, you know, getting healthier. And over that summer, when I went back to ninth grade, I had grown two inches and dropped 25 pounds. Wow. And so I was a new person to everybody. <laughs> so, and then, it, man, it, then it just, I got into, the, you know, got into um, hanging out and partying, you know, doing what you do in high school, having a good time. Didn't I play some sports in um, football and baseball. Um, freshman, uh, sophomore year, really wasn't into it anymore. I did run cross country. Me and a couple of friends of mine started. We actually started Halton High School's cross country team. Wow. Me and a few other uh, friends of mine. So um, that's cool to talk about now because they're really, they have a really good team. Because um, I'd been lifting some weights over the summer, working out, and I could run long distance, not really fast. So and we talked to a few of my other buddies. They were kind of chubby too and lost some weight over the summer. And we we just all got together and started doing that. But that kind of started my jump into like the fitness and caring about myself. It was more battling everyone picking on me, but also at the same time, I didn't feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even so much that. I just I knew that I wasn't doing things healthy for me. And then by the time I was fifteen. I decided I wanted to move out. I want to say I was 15, yeah. My mom and stepdad wanted to move to, to Fort Worth, Texas. My stepdad had an oil field job, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to go. Yeah. Um, I wanted to stay around here, so I moved in with a friend of mine. Shout out to Taylor Logan. He, um, his mom, his, his dad had just tragically passed away, and his mom was like, you know, I asked my mom, hey, can I move in with them, kind of help he and his mom, and they had, she had two younger sisters. I have experience helping with kids. Can I move in with them, stay here? Right. I did that for like a summer and then I was just, it was, I, I was an independent person. My mom let me be. And so there I was a little more tight knit because of how she raised her family, nothing against his mother, but I just didn't want to, I didn't, I wanted to be doing my own thing. So then I moved in with my grandfather who just treated me like a grown man. And I stayed there for a couple months, then moved behind my grandparents' house. And, um, I've been on my own ever since. So I've been on my own since I was about 16. So to sum all that up, that's kind of how that happened. I don't know. I don't know if that's kind of all over the place, but that was a trajectory of got me to where that was. And, and really since then, I've kind of been just self-made, you know, yeah. kind of figuring out what my lane is and figuring out what I like to do. And, you know, around that age, my uncle had a, that used to be my grandfather's uh, mechanic shop across the street. This is the other, my dad's side of the family. My uncle had a shop there. So we would work on people's cars during school or after school to make extra cash to buy beer and yeah. skull and whatever. And um, we had a good, we had a good time, man. And you know, then I got, I decided to go in the oil field um, because I didn't. I was making straight A's, graduated with honors, but I didn't want to go to college. I wanted to make money, yeah. and so I went into that path. And man, just it goes from on from there. There's a million stories after that. Well, when you were, when you were growing up, and and it, you know, obviously, yeah, you you were very independent. And was there anybody that you, an adult or somebody that you had met, that you said, you know what, that's person i want to be so i never okay that's a really good question and i'll talk about this and i never really have okay so i never looked at but at that age i didn't give a damn about money or aspirations to be great or anything i was just trying to be cool right. or tr more trying to be a badass it was all about lifting weights and fighting i would get in fights all the time um and i really i felt like i needed to live up to my dad's expectation and at that time we didn't have that close of a relationship we do now, but we, I just, the biological dad. Yes. Yes. Dad? Okay. Yes. Okay. And, um, because he and his brothers were all badasses around that type, that area of the, you know, the state. And they had this, I'd always hear, Oh, you're so-and-so son, you're so-and-so son. And so me and my cousins felt like we had to, I feel like I shared this with them. We had something to live up to. So we were always worried about that. We were always worried about chasing women and fighting and drinking. Cause I thought that was cool. Cause I'd hear those stories. It's like, that's awesome. So they, that consumed me from like 16 years old to like 21, yeah. which is sad to say, but it's, it's me being honest. And if I talk to anybody now, I'll tell them that, but yeah, it consumed me for the fact that that's was, that was always in the back of my mind. Not necessarily that was what I lived for, but I always wanted to do something like that. Like that was always in my mind. Yeah. Like if we're going somewhere, man, yeah, someone talks shit, I'm going to hit them. Yeah, or or it was always like, we're looking for girls. If there's no girls there, we're going to fight somebody. And it was, it was horrible. I lived that way for a long time. And that's how I got into the, the MMA thing. I was like, well, 
this is interesting to me. Maybe I can do something with it besides just fight people drunk, you know? And that, that's what happened to that. But to answer that question, that was the first time I started looking up to people was that and probably wasn't a great way to look up to somebody, but at least it led me to a path of, you know, taking that and running with it. Now, and you're a father now. So, yeah, yeah. So um, when you look at that, and, and, and that's interesting too, too, as I always believe, you know, sometimes we think our children are much softer than we are because we try to make it easier for them as they got older. As, or as they get older, we want to kind of protect them from the hard stuff. When yeah. Sometimes we don't realize that's the only reason we can survive today yeah. is because of the hard stuff we went through. Um, so do you, when you think about yourself as a father, what is it that you want, at least up until the time you're 21, that you would want your children to be like or act like as opposed to the way you did, the way you were? I just want them to find their lane. And it's really hard to do at a young age, right? But I think at least, if anything, that it's so weird me saying this and looking back at my 10-year-old self would call me a pussy right now, right? But I want want to instill some type of value in them to where at least get the they have the hustle, right? If you have the hustle, anything's possible. Because you, you make have, them work. You make them help yes, when you cook. They help. You I don't them. make them. They, they want to. Right. But I do make them do something. They always have to do something. We, my kids don't lay around and watch YouTube. They don't have any mobile devices. We watch TV as a family now. Um, that's been a transition, right? Um, you know, it's like, yes, I still let them do stuff. I'm not militant to where, like, you can't do this. But I would prefer them play outside than sit around inside. Um, we do, you know, we do still do things. But my kids don't consume more than probably three hours of television a week. Wow. And I think that's healthy because I didn't. Yeah. I didn't want to sit inside. If we did, we'd play some video games. But even when we did that at a young age, it was an hour, and then we wanted to be outside playing with our friends. You know? Yeah, we didn't. We didn't have the ability to just instantly get ex- everything we wanted at that moment. If right. We wanted to watch something, and listen to something, and do something. And I think the the act of delayed gratification is lost on yeah this generation because it's like, look, if I can't get it immediately. I mean, even Amazon's like, oh, we can have it for you the same day. You know, th- there's a there's a thing almost like um, uh, you're you're working out, okay? You yeah. know, you, obviously, you don't start one day and the next day you look like that, okay? The mentality of okay, I'm going to work out and I'm going to do this, and for the, and and the, in the long term, I'm going to be healthier and I'm going to be better. Um, what is it that? And we'll go up after after you're 21 in a minute, but what is your because you'll tell you'll call you'll call. I talk sometimes. You'll be like, "Man, I've been up since five o'clock this morning. You know, I couldn't go back to sleep." Yeah. I tell you, what is a typical day like for you? For me now. For you now. Okay, so I get up about anywhere between five and six a.m. every single morning, no matter what if it's a weekend or not. I just I'm programmed to wake up that early. Um, I get up before the whole house wakes up, and I like that. It gives me time to, um, you know, depending on if I'm doing whatever program I'm on yeah, that yeah. month as far as how I'm dieting or whatever, like, I'll get up and a lot of times I'm sore, really sore, so I may get up and get in the hot tub for 10 minutes, then get out of the hot tub, then I'll wake the kids up. I try to let the wife sleep in a little bit um, just because I don't want her to feel like she has to get up. So I like to get up, get the kids ready, make sure they're fed, get them on the bus, and then I start ironing out, ironing out my day for the day there, and it could be... Anywhere from, you know, I may have like XYZ meeting for marketing and then I may have a catering job in a day or two. So I may just start prepping for that, you know, or getting ready for a podcast like this. And so the, every day starts that way uh, consistently on during the week mm-hmm. for sure. And then on the weekends are a little different depending on what I have going on. And when you have when you have a conflict, how do you prioritize what you're going to do? First? A conflict. Give me an example, man, because I have conflicts okay, a conflict all the time. Like, a conflict like um, – you have to do a you have to do a marketing presentation, um, or you have to do you have a podcast scheduled with somebody. They can't cancel, uh, you can't cancel. But then the next day you've got a catering job for a hundred people. Yeah, you know, I mean, how do you? How Dude, do I just you- make it work, man. I don't really know. I think I'm I'm fucking insane at times. That, but I, I've always feel like I'm overloading myself, but I never feel overwhelmed. I feel like the day I feel overwhelmed, then I need to back it up a notch, right? Do you feel stressed? Do you feel tension? No, when you get I don't. I don't. You know, so, like, I thrive off of That's what I was telling my wife the other day. I was like, all this shit's going on. Everything hit one time the other day, and I come home, and I was like, I just need to take a breather. And she had never seen me that way, so it probably freaked her out. Yeah. And I was like, just come sit down with me, and let's talk about this real quick. And I know she never seen me that way, so we talked about it 30 minutes, and I was chill. And I was like, okay, shit, that's the first time I've been overwhelmed 
in fucking two or three years. Yeah. Like I felt, but it was a good overwhelming. It was like, oh shit, I need to get all this right right now so that it doesn't mess up the flow this week, you know? Um, but now it's like, man, I just don't, I don't feel like I'm, I'm ever overwhelmed because I'm always, I, I'm really good at rolling with the punches and I thrive in chaos. When I'm, when everything's mundane, it freaks me the fuck out. Right. Like I need some type of conflict, but not, uh, it's a productive, like some kind of productive challenge. You need a challenge. Always. You need something to solve. You yeah. Need, you need yeah. A I'm a probably sol- a problem solver and, and I'm, I just put out fires all day long. That's what I do. But I create a lot of times I'm creating the fires to put out. Right. <laughs> exactly. But they're all in a positive manner. And I, I'm not a person that thrives on drama. I will say this. I've become, become being married and becoming a father. I've, I have a new consistent mentality. Like there's a lot of emotions when you have kids when you stress in the family, whatever going on, crazy days. I just feel like I need to be the consistent person. So that's who I am now. So I don't really get lit up or crazy over stuff. If something changes, I, I feel it in. Like, say, like today we're doing this because a guest was rescheduled. I was like, well, I don't want to lose a week of content. Let's just throw something together and make it work. And we've been wanting to do this anyways. Yeah. And I like being able to, you know, roll with the punches. I think that's probably my best quality, I would say. That's good. I, and I, I, I actually... So we'll sometimes look at you and go, okay, how do you do it? Now it's because now it might just because I'm 50 and like if it's eight, if it's nine o'clock and I'm done with everything, I'm gonna look at my dog and go, let's go to bed. Right. You know, if I'm done with everything, I'm the same way. I'm gonna let you know. Yeah. So well, I, I met you probably about five years ago. It's probably yeah. about five years ago that we met. And one of the first things that I had, at least as I got to know you, I thought to myself, you know what? You belong like in a place like Dallas or something. You belong, <laughs> yeah. you belong in a place that, that moves at the pace of your brain, or yeah. your mentality. So do you sometimes feel that you're a big fish in a small pond? No, I used to. I used to think of myself as someone important. <clears throat> now I don't. I think, um, you know, it's one of those things where I always thought I was too good for this place, which is absolutely stupid because there's nothing wrong with this place. But I just realized that I was almost outgrowing my current position okay and so okay, i just but describe, should, describe how because i've i've felt you know what i'm way. talking about yeah. but describe what it, it for you what it felt like to be like you know I, i'm i'm better than this place I'm, I'm i hate i hate thinking that it almost makes me sick to think but i I've, I've been a fucked up individual in my early stages of my life so i can admit that of how i was thinking i never thought i was better than anyone i just thought that i had more potential and this place may be bogging my potential down and Everyone blames their environment, but here's the thing. You have control of your fucking environment, and if you don't want to be here, no one's fucking keeping you here. You can leave. Yeah, it may be a, a slightly uncomfortable for you. For And I've had this conversation with people. I could have moved any fucking time I wanted, but I kept creating excuses to stay, right? Yeah. And I'm here. You know, and, and one day I may not be here, but currently what I have going on, if you asked me this question a year ago, I was still on the fence. Now, currently what I have going on, I'm happy. You know, do I think that I'm what I'm doing is going to spread tentacles and I'm eventually going to have to be in multiple areas. Yes. I know that for sure, but I'm doing it at a calculated pace now instead of always saying, man, I wish I could leave, man, I wish I could leave. So at least I have some insight, you know, or some kind of plan, you know, because I think that the biggest thing was I was always kicking myself in the ass, but also wasn't doing anything about it. I just, it sounded like a good idea, but I wasn't putting any time and planning to get out of the current environment I was in. So what you did, you made the, you made the most of, the situation and you yeah. make excuses mm-hmm. and and i do and i mean i've been in, i've been there before too when i mean i've lived all over the world and people are like what the hell are you doing in your yeah. city well my wife's family's from here we're here it's a great place to raise kids you know you get to a point in your life where you go okay well i'm not the priority anymore i'm no longer the person that needs to be happy all the time does it mean you sacrifice your happiness for everybody else no but like you said you create your environment you say, okay, well, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going to do. This is what's going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. And so after you were 20, so at, you know, in your, in your 20s. My early 20s. Right early, so I'm 33 right now, okay. I believe. Yeah. So in your early 20s, when, because I know you, you've been in the oil field in and out. Yeah. It's kind of a cyclical yeah. thing. Um, but how did you get started with Hemingway West? Okay, so well, let me lead you up to that. So oil field, 20, at 18 years old, I go into the oil field. I go to work on a workover rig. A lot of people may not know what that is, but basically it's a fast-paced drilling rig. Drilling rigs are slow. They're steady. They operate 24 hours a day. Workover rigs operate anywhere from 12 to 18 hours a day. They don't have any relief crews, and they, when they, as soon as you get there, you're working. So as soon as you leave, same thing on a drilling rig, but the pace is way quicker. So I jumped, broke. 
they call it broke out. I broke out in the oil field at 18 years old. Well, technically, I was working pipeline at 17, a high school job. Then I broke out in the oil field at 18 and onto workovers. I was working there, and I would see these guys come out in these fancy, clean red jumpsuits, and they were tool hands. And I was like, I wanted that job. So I started applying for it. It was six or eight months went by. I almost got killed three or four times on the rig. I finally said, fuck this, and quit. And I wanted to go back to my base basics where I knew how to work on vehicles. So I went right. to work and help a guy manage a shop called Tuna Car in Shreveport. And he owned it, and he was looking for someone to eventually take it over. And I was like, I want to do this. Then I realized quickly that it wasn't something I want to do for a living because it was dealing with disgruntled people who are idiots that tear shit up and then try to blame it on you. And, you know, like, don't have realistic expectations. Right. And I just was like, fuck this. So I continued on the road to push for an application to work with for Weatherford International and get that tool hand job. Mm-hmm. Well, I ended up getting it. I was the youngest person they had ever hired at uh, 18 years old. All this happened within a year. I might have been 19. No, I was still 18, I think. I don't know. Anyways, all this happened within that, like, a whole 12 to 16-month period. Yeah. Went on to work for them for seven years. During that time, that's when I got into MMA, training, fighting, stuff like that. Also got into a biker gang. We'll call it that because that's what it was, and I was in that for five years. So I was all about living that tough, rowdy lifestyle, but at the same time, I was responsible and had a job the whole time. I wasn't doing any drugs. I would alcohol and party. wasn't doing any kind of crazy drugs or nothing. Um, and then around the age of, see, 2016, I would have been, 2015, how old would I have been? Shit, man, I don't know. I can't do the math right now. 27, the age of 28, something like that, 26. I don't know. Anyways, um, I met Chris Hemingway because I had built a house. That's another thing. I I always told myself I worked really hard because my first house was a mobile home that I moved. I purchased when I was 18 years old, and it was $37,000. It was mm-hmm. brand new, wow. nice mobile home. Great. I had more than most of all my friends have. They were always at my house partying, hanging out. I was the only person from the, their own house. Had a lot of roommates that were failed college students that lived with me for a little while, helped pay the bills. Most of them didn't. Most of them just, you know, used me. Shout out to all y'all. I'm going to get lunch one day from you or something. But um, anyways, yeah, I told, always told myself when I get to the point to where I make enough money, I'm going to buy a house. Because I'd never lived in a house. Mm. I'd always lived in a mobile home. So that was in the back of my mind. I always wanted to purchase an actual brick house. So I purchased mine in 2012. I was 23 years old. In Stonewall, and I just didn't know anyone, but I wanted to get the hell away from that black hole that I was living right. in because it was around bad people that weren't doing any good for me, some family I needed to get away from, drama, picked up and moved my life, stayed doing the career I had, but kind of adjusted my life a little bit, 2012, moved there, was working out at um, the Anytime Fitness out there, and I met Chris Hemingway. we become friends. He was fresh off a of divorce. I was single, so we were running buddies. We'd hang out, and then eventually he knew that I was working hard and dependable i guess and a hustler and he's like starting this business with nick west why don't you meet with us and see if you can help out and then over the course of a year started doing that and then i was still working my oil field job and we kind of built that up and then i felt like we were busy enough then i quit the oil field now what did you know about that industry nothing what i did know about was giving people what they like telling someone i would do something and doing it and also I knew how to interact with customers because I would blindly go out to drilling rigs. And most of the time when you pull up out there, they don't want to see you. So I knew how to deal with people who didn't want to see me. But I also knew what my value was because I knew walking down the location. At that time, when I walked out on that location, unless I had a superior with me, which there were only two or three in the world that did what I did that were over me. So, like, unless I had a superior with me. I was the one in that location that knew more about what I'm doing than anyone else. Mm-hmm. So I kept that mentality, and I slowly learned everything there was to know about our industry and marketing, and, and that was new. I mean, social media was new for businesses. It just came out in 2015. Facebook just launched their business platform, so that was new. So uh, walking into that, I was kind of learning as the industry was changing. So yeah. I learned with it. I didn't really walk into something that was blindly because we kind of all learned it as it evolved. Right. Well, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a uh, head of a, a department at a, a large medical group, and he was hiring some people. He had asked me at one time, he goes, hey, who do you know that could possibly do this and do this? And I told him, well, I know a couple of people that do this and do that, and this is something for your viewers to think about if they're talking to their children or planning their life or something. It's something that I hadn't really – I knew in the back of my head, but I didn't really know it. And we were talking, and he goes, well, look, he goes, I can train them yeah. to do this job. What I need to know is who are they and 
do they have the do they have the qualities I can't train? You know, <coughs> yeah. and it sounds like that's you know pretty much what what you know Chris did. And it's like, look, you know what? We can train you to do anything. Yeah. And I remember when I was young, I had a friend and I were arguing about a. Uh, we both we work, both worked at different places, and I worked for, at the commissary, and he worked somewhere else. And I told him, you know, being cocky, saying, "Well, you couldn't do this job." And for as young as we were, for him to look at me, and go, "You don't think if they trained me, I couldn't do it?" And I thought to myself, "Well, shit, yeah, I guess you could." You know, I mean, I didn't know before I did it. Yeah, no one's got a, no one's that special unless you're just that articulate and you have a special set so of the, skills so that no one else has. The qualities that you can't be trained in are where you excel. Yeah, I guess know? so. Yeah, and which is and another thing <clears throat> is a lot of people talk shit. Okay, it's been very few times in my life I've met an individual who said, "You know what? This is what I'm going to do," and they actually did it, which is always fun to hear yeah. you say stuff because I'm yeah. like, "Okay, well, if he said it, he's going to do it." <laughs> so, uh, and sure enough, the shit, next time you pull up and you've got a big old rig, you know that. So, um, so after you did that, and you started with them, and then you got into a, which is something you do now, which I love helping you with, is is your um, pork and fork barbecue. Yeah. Okay. Some people take. A hobby and they go this is a lot of fun and you know maybe i can do this on the side and stuff like that why did you dive so so Man. deep into it so fast okay so a mutual friend of ours brian meeker got me really into barbecue so okay. when i was in high school when i wasn't working at the sawmill i would work and during the school year i couldn't work at the sawmill after hours right because right? it was like four the time you get out of school and go somewhere so i would work at Nita's barbecue it's been there since 1955 um before that it was a and w root beer stand uh-huh. um I would work there in the high school, so I already knew a little bit about barbecue, yeah. but I wasn't passionate about it. Then when Brian Meeker and I started hanging out, he was pretty passionate about it, and we would cook together to network at golf tournaments. And you manage yeah, golf, yeah. golf uh, property, so you know all about that. And so we would do that as a way you know, of getting to know people, networking, and potentially getting some sales out of it, whatever. And then I realized I enjoyed it. Well, I kept doing that for a couple of years. I was always borrowing his equipment to do it. And uh, he always does it. He never done it as a business, but he'd always talked about it. So between him always talking about it and, and, you know, he's taught me things along the way. And I'll give him a lot of credit for a lot of things I've done. Some things I've figured out by myself. Some he's taught me. A lot he's taught me. Um, and he's always just done it as a hobby. And then, you know, doing that and then my wife, I, I'll give her the credit too because I, I'll just give her a shout out. She bought. She just said, you know what, the hell with it. You need to quit borrowing somebody's shit. You're getting busy. You're actually going to do this. Because I started cooking for the family, and I was still borrowing Brian's rig to cook my family and shit. She's like, you just need to make this a business. I don't think she really thought I was going to do anything with it, but I knew she knew that, like, I would use it if we got it. And she, right. so she bought me my barbecue pit for me a year ago. And she, because I wouldn't do it. I wasn't going to do it. I'm just, you know, I was, not only was like, I don't even know if I was in the financial place to, to want to throw that kind of money at it, but also, I just didn't think I, I don't know what I was going to do yet. But so then I had it in my hands and she bought it. So I was like, well, shit, I'm about to make this into a business. So we set up an LLC and I just said, well, I'm going to start with people I know and we'll do this. I'm doing it on the weekends anyways. Why not make money? Like it makes no sense. Every fucking weekend I'm cooking for somebody. Why not make it a business of go legit, you know? And that's how it come about, man. So, and what are the the range of things that you do? Because I know you do catering, I know you do things, but what? Uh, just tell me about all the different things that you do. Everything I do, man. Okay, so I buy and sell vehicles, which is cool. I kind of buy and flip vehicles, and I'm probably about to have to get my dealer's license because I'm doing too much of it. But I, I I love projects, and I'm not the. I, people get on my nerves that start projects and not finish them. I have to see a project through when I start it, hmm. and it has to be. Now it may take a little bit longer, but I always see a. A goal like a goal line you know i don't start something blindly and then quit and then let it sit there for two years so i can look at something I, I do have this talent where i can look at a vehicle bare and say i can do this with it for x amount of dollars and make a profit on it but also at the same time drive it and have a nice cool little vehicle i enjoy mm-hmm. and so i started doing that shit when i was 16 17 years old i, I probably owned this point in my life, fifty plus vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw my grandfather doing that, who's a mechanic, had the mechanic shop, and so I guess some of that got come from him. And I, I'm slowly realizing that, like some of that was instilled in me. And the same thing. I, so I also do the barbecue stuff, and I didn't know anything about this festival life. I've been doing some of these festivals and stuff, but I also do catering with it, just having a good time, right? And some competitions. I look back, and you started talking about painting and stuff. My grandmother used to do that, so I feel like maybe some of that 
fest that that hustle mindset was instilled from her, you know, because I like the cooking, but she was always on the hustle, going on the weekends and doing the the festivals. But during the week, she had her day job, and I was like, so maybe that's implanted from her. Because I'm trying to figure out where all this shit's coming from, right? Or is it just you just like to do? Well, do you consider your barbecue art, or do you consider it just a, a side thing? I, I don't. I don't know. I think it's a mix between both. I think. I do when I look at I'm around other vendors like I was this past week and I look at what they're doing and I look how meticulous I am about everything that I now at this point I know it's art right because I'm looking at their shit just thrown together and then I won't and you've been with me like I don't like to let anything go to someone unless it looks perfect yeah. if they can't take a picture and it looks good well, that person may take a picture and it looks like shit and then your food looks like shit you know I don't want that so I'm all about the presentation there and I think that's the marketing <laughs> aspect so so yeah the buying and flipping vehicles has always been fun um, the, the barbecue is great Hemingway West um, the marketing company I do which I never really talk about because I don't want to use this podcast to, to push my businesses mm-hmm. um, that well, is you're my guest so you can say whatever the hell you want to yeah, say yeah that is a source of, that is a source of income <laughs> um, that is my main source of income um, I also am into equipment rentals um, with the mutual friend of ours doing that now, um, which is crazy because that's just something that I've come from that industry. Why not do it? And it's just, I do a lot of subleasing stuff. And then, um, man, what else? The podcast, um, the podcast is good. And then eventually we're going to, I got some, some real estate stuff going on working on now. Yeah. Well, I remember when you told me you were going to start a podcast and we were at a meeting and I was like, dude, I want to be your first guest. You know, I want to be, I want yeah. to be on it. I love, and, and at the, at that time it was like, you know, podcasting was not new, but it was relatively new. You know, everybody's grandmother doesn't have one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now everyone's now. got one. Um, but the, the, the value of a, of a podcast is its content. Okay. Now you can have one that's two hours long and not say crap. And you get yeah. one that's five minutes long and it's got a wealth of information so when you, what is it that made you think, hey, you know what? I'd like to have a podcast. Okay. So I was, it was pre-COVID and I was trying to get some new ways to spice up our marketing. Like, I'm just like, cause I, I was in this, like everything's kind of slowed down a little bit in that, in the industry where there's so many people doing so many things that like, I'm not trying to be on the forefront. I'm also a family man now too. So I'm not out there really moving and shaking and networking and drinking every night with people and business owners. Yeah. I'm doing more strategic marketing now, but at that time I was like, let me find a way to market the business better, grow the business more. I'm trying to, I wanted to move this business to Dallas. It's like, I'm going to try to find a way to do that. And I started listening to podcasts. I would listen to like Gary V and stuff like that. And I started listening to him and I was like, I can do this shit. I know well enough about what I'm talking about to do this, and then I can build business on the back of it, right? right? And just talk to business owners and shit. So that's how this podcast started. And then like two or three episodes in, I was like, this is fucking boring. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want that to be what I do. Like, I feel like it's a job. Right. So then it slowly shifted to more conversational. So, like, everybody says, yeah, you had a great interview with that person. But I don't really ever feel like I'm interviewing someone because yeah. I, I don't ever have a set of questions. I feel like I get to have a conversation with someone, get to know them. And I only have conversations with people that I think I'm going to be interested in talking to. Right. Like people hit me up all the time. Hey, can I come on? And I just like, no, you know, not this or, you know, I don't have this time or whatever. Or people don't even know what this is. And they'll just hit me up trying to plug their business. Right. This thing's not to push business. I don't, you know, if you mention what you're doing here, cool. But I'm on here to have conversations. People get, get something out of. And it took me a few episodes to realize that's what this was. You know, if I got four or five episodes in and it wasn't doing anything and I didn't feel that momentum, I probably would have shut it down. Right. And there's been times sometimes where I'm like, should I keep doing this? And I questioned myself that in the first 10 or 12 episodes. But I would run into people in public and they'd come up to me. And there were people I didn't even really know. And they're like, man, you're doing that. And literally, I was downstairs one evening having dinner here somewhere or something. And a guy, I can't remember his name, walked up to me. I was like, hey, man, I really like your podcast. Don't ever stop doing that. And ever since he told me that, it stuck with me. So now I can't fucking quit, dude. <laughs> One dude told me I can't quit. I'm not fucking quitting. You know? What has been your favorite part about Because I will say this. I remember we were in a, we were used to be in a small room sometimes. The yeah. AC was on. Sometimes it wasn't. Yeah, shit. Um, the first time we did um, the podcast, it was two guests. And, and I think the other guest was thinking it was a... A business like oh you know we're going to talk about business ideas and yeah. you know and and I'd come in going oh shit is that what we're talking about because I'm not prepared for that yeah. at all and then you're like oh no we're just you know we're going to talk right and to me that's the favorite that's my favorite thing to do is is first of all everybody has a story mm-hmm. okay and if you're willing to take the time to sit down and listen to them and some people that you never knew lived a wild and crazy life 
did. And maybe that's just why they're so quiet now. Yeah. But you brought it from that to now you're here. You've got, uh, you know, you've got Jose over there doing, you know, (laughs) all the, uh, all the, um, uh, audio and, and you've got, you know, everything and you've actually branded it, you know, you branded it, your thing. What did you, did you see all this when you started? No, no, I knew that if I continue to do it, and if I put, like, here's my thing. I'm putting absolutely no budget behind this at all. It's all my money. Um, it's all my time. And then if the guest is, is fortunate enough to take someone's time, an hour of their day to sit down and have a conversation with me, I treasure that as well. Um, other than that, there's, I, have no, I would say every single one of my guests is an investor. They're investing in this mm-hmm. because they're taking their time to put it in this show. Other than that, I have no investors. It's not making any money. So, but I knew if I just continued to, and I've had so many people talk shit about it, um, people in my personal life, people outside, like, like, why are you doing that shit? It's not making any money because I enjoy doing it. That's why. Right. Why the fuck do you watch TV? You enjoy doing it, motherfucker. I'm doing this because I enjoy doing it. And if you don't like it, fuck you. You don't have to listen. You know what I mean? Like, but I know I'm looking at the stats every, I used to look at the stats every fucking day, dude. I was like, I think I was telling myself that I, if, as long as I was getting listens and views that I don't need to quit. Now I don't even look at the stats anymore. I look every now and then and. We have episodes that, you know, audio listens from 600 to 1,000 every episode. And I'm like, well, fuck, dude. That's nice. Because I remember when I started, it was like 5 to 20 an episode, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's cool. I, I've COVID was awesome because for this, because I I think it really took my the podcast up a notch because I started having guests from all over the world mm-hmm. on Zoom because that's right. the only way I could. I don't like do, using the Zoom. I prefer these in-persons. But, and that's someone asked me the other day, like, are you going to do continue to the Zoom ones? Yeah, if I have to, to get, if a certain individual I want on it, that's the only way they can come on. But I prefer now, with the elements I have here, the ability to you know have someone stay here close by. They can come here. I can help them out with that. They're not really, it's not really costing me anything but time. Now I can probably get more people into this area and sit in the seat here because it's, it's just way better in person. Are there any guests that you've, really wanted to have on and he hadn't been able to have them on yet yeah there's quite a few man i mean I, I, i'll hit up a lot of people and they just don't see it especially if they're really famous yeah. you know really popular I, I may hit them up and they just don't see the message but i'll tell you this i've never had i may have had one per, one or two person i've never had someone say no uh-huh. which is cool i always thought i was gonna shit load of no's i've had people not respond right i've had people say i've had people surprisingly i've had people say like I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't think I'd be good at that. I've had a lot of that. And I've, really? and I've talked some of them into doing it anyways, and some of them wouldn't do it. Yeah, people that are in the spotlight, you would think wouldn't be nervous. But then I tell them we're going to have an hour unscripted conversation. It freaks the fuck out yeah. because they have a filtered lifestyle. You know what I mean? So is your brain wired now that when you meet somebody, you talk to somebody that you think to yourself, if they would be a so, guest on your podcast? Yeah, so I'll start talking to someone in five minutes if I think they're going to be interesting and they're telling me personal shit, I'll tell them to be quiet and let's have a podcast because I want to hear this shit real time in front of Like, I want to react and hear this right. real time with everyone. I want right. us all to hear it and experience it in person. I don't want to sit down and have dinner the night before, go over topics and all that shit. No, I, when we sit down and I've never met you, I may have had five minutes in passing with you and I knew that you already seemed interesting as fuck. We had, that's when we had a... a for 80% of my guests, that's how I bring them on. I have no idea who they are, but I, I either see them moving around, moving and shaking, or I meet them in person. I'm like, yeah, I need you to come on. Well, that's one thing, too, about your guests. I mean, you don't, you don't have a menu of guests of like, okay, we have this type of guest, this type of guest, this. You know, all your guests are varied. You have a variety of guests, which is really cool. It's like, ooh, who's DJ got on this week? Yeah. And if it's somebody that is in an industry I know nothing about, I'll start listening. Sometimes I'm like, okay. I don't, because I love you. I don't listen to every episode. Hell, you don't even go back and listen to every episode. But um, uh, sometimes I have a guest on, I'll think to myself, okay, now I know why he's on, why that person's on there. Not just because, oh, well, you know, if they're in the same industry as you, but somebody that you've uh, come in contact with and you thought, okay, yeah, that's really cool that they're, what they're doing. So with everything that you're doing, all these different things, how do you measure your success in each one of them? Man, I just feel like if I'm getting up and doing it, I don't know. I, I, had, a, I had a kid ask me that. I think we talked about this. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I had a kid ask me about that when we did that presentation, like the success thing. Like, man, I just don't, at this point in my life, I don't want to do anything I don't enjoy. And I think, and that's a fucking cliche. I hate saying shit that's cliche fucking boxed in Instagram reels. Yeah. Because that's not what I'm trying to create here. Right. I hate saying stuff that people say. That don't really fucking live that. 
So if I'm saying it's because I'm fucking living it, right. if I'm not enjoying it, I'm not going to fucking do it. Like that's point blank it. So that's success for me. So yeah. I feel like I'm successful right now. And if I become more successful, it just means I'm doing more shit than I enjoy. All right. And then what is your, um, what are your goals for, for this and for your barbecue? Man, I mean, the barbecue thing is growing itself. Um, I don't ever want to really want to have a storefront because I don't want to get locked down to yeah. an area. I feel like the way I'm growing in, you know, my personal life with my family, I, you know, one day I would like to, you know, possibly do more moving around and I don't want to be married to a location. Right. Um, and I can do that with all these businesses. You know, I can move around with the barbecue stuff. I can, the podcast can move around wherever it needs to go. I thought about creating a mobile version of it as well as a stationary version. Um, the marketing, I can do it from anywhere. I can fucking get on Zoom and tell someone to do, or I can fly somewhere and sit down with someone in person. Um, you know, so everything I do, I can pick up and move it everywhere. And that's most people's job. They just think they're stuck in one place. Yeah, especially now after COVID, a lot of people realized, oh, wait, I yeah. can do this. Pretty much from home if I need to. Yeah, but I mean, not only, even if their industry is an interpersonal industry, they can fucking move and do it somewhere else. You know, they don't have to do it here. Most people just don't want to deal with it. If you think about, all right, so if you think about you're in the industry, say you're in the industry, say you're fucking selling cars and you hate it here. Well, just moving to fucking sell cars somewhere else. Well, it's going to be hard because I got to pick up and change lifestyles. And I got to change all my bills and I got to change the address and I may be short of month of rent but that, that's fucking six months of your life it's it's a fucking hiccup you know what i mean to to get to where you want to be happy right and that's what i've been telling myself it's like dude this is like if i'm not happy we're just gonna pivot and keep doing it so do you think that your uh physical strength and the way you train and the way your mental state is because of the way you train is one of the, probably at least to me i think okay that's why he's like okay Everybody has those two, those two, the angel and the devil, and the yeah. shoulder telling him what to do. Um, and a lot of it is, well, who are you going to listen to? But also, I'm sure there's been times when you've worked out and you just don't think you can, you can do any more, but you push yourself. Yeah. So, do you feel that that mentality and that training has helped you go? Okay, well, you know what? If I'm not happy here, then I'm going to go do it here. I think do that there. I don't think that. I think the the working out thing. And look. I'm I'm still like in my first year of doing CrossFit hardcore. I did it years ago when it first became popular while I was still doing MMA training. And MMA training is very hard, but you're always training for a fight. CrossFit, like I'm training, like I'm teaching my body to do things it's never done before. And I'm having to do it slow and precise because if not, I'm going to hurt myself. And I know I'm facing injury every time I go in there. But if I do everything correctly, I'm not going to hurt myself. And it's just like lifting weights in the gym. People are like, do that shit. You're going to mess your back up. You can mess your fucking back up picking up that chair. You can. I've literally coughed. too hard. I coughed one time when I was like fucking 20 years old and fell in the floor and was in the bed for two days. Like, you can hurt yourself anywhere, but if you try to do stuff properly. Anyways, um, so yeah, man, like, I feel like, what was the question? I'm sorry. It was just, do you feel that your ability to get beyond... Um, uh, uh, excuses. Oh yeah, yeah. In yeah. your work life, and your outside of working no, out as a result. I don't think it's. I don't know. I don't think working out has anything to do with that. I think. Um, I think that's just something been instilled in me because when you switch from a self-employed mindset, uh, a employed mindset to a self-employed mindset, it's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. If you don't work, you're not getting fucking paid. And I think that's always dri- dri- driven me since I've changed those, the lifestyles. You know, like six or eight years ago. But the, the working out thing, I think people. I think it's great for anxiety and like people sit down there like I'm bored or I'm stressed out. I think it's good for that. I don't have that much stress, but I don't think I, I don't get stressed that much, but I think it's because I push my body so hard mm-hmm. in that aspect in my mind, like doing the type of workouts we do. I say I do CrossFit, but we do some crazy shit. We do some crazy ass Spartan workouts. Me and my wife, we run three miles with a carrying a fucking tire. Like I think you've seen us do that. I've seen it. Yeah. We do some crazy shit, man. And, And I still am not even nothing compared to some of these, you know, elite athletes. But like, I think that breaks down all that, that monotonous sitting around worried about shit. I'm not worried about what no one's doing. I don't give a fuck if someone does, if someone's trying to copy a podcast like I'm doing, or someone's trying to create a business like me, or someone's trying to talk shit about, dude, I could give a fuck. But I think it's because I'm pushing my mind so much. And battling myself, and I don't have like inner demons or nothing. I'm battling. I'm just like 
how far can I push myself mentally and physically? Because the working out is both, mm-hmm. right? And if you really, if you ever applied yourself that way physically, you know it takes just as much mental to get to there. Oh, yeah. You know, or you're going to quit early. So I think that has kind of circumvented um, my stress levels, but also been able to provide more time for me to hustle. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. And, and I think a lot of people think that... Um, you have to be built a certain way. I mean, yeah, you obviously have to be built a certain way to be successful at anything, but... Um, well, people think there's a fucking blueprint. There's not, man. I can't tell you. There's no there's secret. There's no secret, <laughs> man. It's like... Don't give up. If you want it, get it. And yeah, you can say, you know, you can be anything you want to be, but you got to really fucking want to be it. Because if you really want to be a fucking doctor, you got to go fucking put the time in. Yeah. If you really want to be a good car salesman, you still got to put the fucking time in. One may be harder than the other. Right. But no matter what it is, you can be whatever you want to be. You just got to fucking do it. Like, and it's, that's all it boils down to. I mean, but most people like they, the idea of something's great and they'll talk about it, but they're not ever doing anything about it. And that's, I mean, 80% of us, man. So what do you want to be remembered for? Um, or how would you like a good question, man? Um, now that like, now that I have a family, man, I I really want to be remembered for being a good husband, a good dad. Um, and then in the spectrum of my network, I really want to be remembered for this. I don't give a fuck about marketing. I was thinking about this the other day. If I die tomorrow and you ask me, I love my business partners. I love my company and I, and all the other barbecue, all that shit. But if I died tomorrow, what's left this, this is still here. There's still all those conversations that if one person listened to it and got something out of it, it was worth my fucking life time being here. And then those kids growing up, having me in their life and instilling those types of values and my wife having me there to help her, you know, or her help me and us feed off each other. That's all you really have, man. You know what I mean? You're going to leave it with somebody, right? right? This is in the left in the hands of my listeners. And then that's left in for my family. What the fuck else matters? So that's, that's where I'm at on that. I think, you know, that's very good. I think, <laughs> and, I, and I think that's good because I mean, like to say, you know, everything is, is once it's digital or once it's, you know, like a, a text. Okay. If you don't, if you don't want to say something to somebody, don't send it, don't email it because yeah. it never goes away. So a good thing about what you're doing here too is that you're creating, you know, lasting legacy and, and possibly in the future, your children will go back and listen to episodes and go, Oh, well, I didn't know that about dad, you know? And, uh, but like in doing this, what have you learned about yourself? Just, just in doing the podcast. I've learned that I'm brutally honest with myself and everyone else. <laughs> and I used to not be a lot of my life was lived with, you know, running around being a Id- young idiot and <coughs> lying to the young girls, or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, young little playboys doing shit like that, like lying to people and not so much in business or anything, but just like personal life, like bullshitting people. And that's what you do when you're young. I mean, you, you, you bullshit yourself yeah. too, you know? Oh yeah. No, but so like now I think this has helped me be honest with myself because when you sit down and have this conversation for what we're at, like 48 minutes, something like that, you sit down and have this conversation for an hour, you can't bullshit your way through an hour. Not if I'm asking real questions, bringing up real topics, talking about real stuff. I'm going to smell bullshit a mile away, man. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's like, so I think that's, I think it's helped me learn how to connect with people better, but also treat everyone the same, like across the board. Like I just I sit down and we talk and I, whether it's, you know, this person from this industry or this person from this background, like literally everyone has, like you said, everyone has a story, but also everyone, we all communicate the same. You know what I mean? Just sit down and talk. And, uh, that's, that surprised me the most of what's come of this, you know, it's just, just having the conversation and being brutally honest. Cause I'll fucking, I will not lie anymore. Like I just, I refuse to lie to myself or anyone else because it's just like, dude, I, if I had all the time back for all the bullshit I've ever said, you know, not so much like on the podcast or anything, but just in my personal life. You know, you've ever had all that time back? Like the, like you say, if I had all the money I spent on doing this or doing that, dude, if I had all the time back that I bullshitted around this subject because I didn't really want to deal with it or something like that, fuck, dude, where would I be at now? Cool. <laughs> no, that's good. I, 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 I did not come into this with any pre-questions, anything yeah. like that. And I've, in, in, even though I know you so well, I still have learned new things about you today. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. And I think that your drive is what a lot of people lack. Um, not because they don't want to be successful or something, but because they're, they, hit a, they hit a roadblock and they stop. You know, or they don't think, oh, they listen to the wrong voice. If you could give advice to your children about success and business, what would it be? 
Not to your listeners, not to your thing, but to your children. Man, I think if you can be, okay, there's two things. Be aware and hold yourself accountable. If you're aware as fuck, because I feel like I am, then you're never going to get taken advantage of. If you do, it's from somebody who's fucking more aware than you. <laughs> hey, you need to learn some shit from them. Right. And if you're accountable, then how can you ever be upset? Because you're already setting expectations up front. If you're accountable with yourself and with others, shouldn't be stressed out. Shouldn't be mad about anything. Yeah. You hold your, you know, call yourself out on your bullshit. So aware and accountable, bro. That, that's it. I literally leave them with that. If they have those two things, they don't fucking need anything else in life. My opinion. That's just my opinion, though. I mean, who the fuck I like am I? It. I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, you got anything else? Anything dude, else I don't have anything. I, I just say we had fun, dude. I appreciate it. Like I said, we uh, took some water and wine over here, I guess, today. Well, <laughs> no, it's got two bits. I, and it's not, you know, I'm, I'm always drinking tequila with you, and I'm not today. Yeah, so um, I'm the, Because this was, I was like, I don't have my designated yeah, driver. Yeah, it's lunchtime. <laughs> my wife, you know, I told my wife I'm not, but we are meeting in January again to have it. Yeah, and, we'll have um, tequila salt coming up in, in about a, four yeah. or five episodes. But yeah, man, I just, uh, I, no, like I said, it. I don't want to lose momentum with this thing. And if I took off for the holidays for a week and like, so now it's been where this will be the second week. And I'm like, fuck that. we got to put something out there. And you'd been asked me numerous times. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. Yeah. And I'm all about it, dude. And I, if anyone ever has any question about anything, they can ask me like, that's the thing like right here I'm doing right now is I'll tell you the fucking truth. Yeah. You know, even if it's shit, I don't want to tell you. I fucking well, I will you. say this. I've noticed, I've noticed a change in you. Um, I, you know, since I first met you, but it's a good change. You know, it's like, you know, you've become more relaxed with, um, uh, well, like when I met you, you drove, you drove a BMW. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was just a nice car, was you a know, douchebag, but you were kind of living, you were kind of like when in our business meetings, I'd be like, okay, you've got the, the cheerleaders and the football players over here. And then you've got <laughs> the, the nerds over here. But the thing about you is you have become, I've, I've seen you grow. Yeah, I've seen you grow, um, and I've known you for a long time. And I, I used to tell—I think I've told you, man—you remind me when I was younger. Like you know, it was like the drive to, to, to do things. You know, like like Rudy who wanted to be, be on the Notre Dame football team. You know, it's like he didn't let anything stop him. And I think one of the greatest compliments I ever had was my roommate watched the movie Rudy, and he goes, he goes, have you seen that movie Rudy? It's like no. He goes, man, he reminds me of you. You got to watch that. I'm like, okay, so I watched him. Like, oh, that was a big compliment. You know, yeah, somebody that's, that's, give that up. dude. Yeah, he didn't give up. You know, he didn't give up. No he wasn't what, good, but he didn't he give wasn't up. Good, exactly. Yeah. But he was a hundred nothing. So, but yeah. he had more heart. Mm-hmm. So you have a heart that I think you know you you were afraid of talking in public when I met you. Yeah. It was one of the things that you were. I really, didn't do much. You didn't want to talk. talk yeah. Nothing. And so to see where you've grown, where you've come, I'm really excited about where all this is going with you. And thank you for letting me help you. Thank you, um, man. I'm yeah. always willing to help. My wife says as long as I bring home pulled pork. I can help you whenever <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. But um but thank you. Thank you for trusting me to to ask you the questions and, and I'm sure we'll do it again. Um and uh man, I'm proud of you. Yes, sir. Love you, brother. I love you too, man. All right, thanks. let's wrap it.